Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Kia ora, good morning, and welcome into Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Coming up on the show, today, Izzy. Matty Burke out of the Chiefs, Dean Foxcroft out of the Vaults, David Dome out of the Phoenix. We're covering it all. Yeah, it's going to be a good show, mate. Uh, there's plenty going on. Cricket, we've got a bit of football because it, it wouldn't be a show when we don't talk about, well, currently the hottest team in the country. you got the Phoenix that are flying. So looking forward to chatting to David and Marty Burke about uh, this weekend's performance or the game that everyone will be watching to start off Super Rugby, and that's the Chiefs taking on the Crusaders. And all signs, you know, all eyes will be on Quintu Pyre in a pretty hotly contested midfield. Uh, if he gets to start this weekend, he played plenty of minutes in that preseason. He's come back stronger than ever, breaking records in the gym. But hey, we'll have to see if that can transition out onto the field. So uh, a big show, and... I want to start the show talking about some sad news yesterday mm-hmm. in, in the racing world, really, when uh, with the sudden passing of the great mare, Very Elegant. And Very Elegant in 2021 took us on a hell of a journey, ridden by J-Mac, um, won the Melbourne Cup, the Lexus Melbourne Cup. And I'm lucky enough to know pretty closely one of the owners and I messaged him yesterday, he's absolutely heartbroken. Uh, the horse game, you know, brings so much joy, but also brings a bit of sadness when something like this arises. And very elegant passed away, giving birth to her first foal, and uh, that was the big news yesterday. And I'll take you through a little bit of very elegant success. So out of Z, side by Z, um, the grand sire Zabil, Dam Opulence, Dam Sire, a Dan Road. And uh, it was born in 2015, October the 12th, in New Zealand. And we know those famous red and blue colours. And I'll take you through uh, the success of Very Elegant. Uh, raced in New Zealand, started its campaign on the 7th of July in 2018 at Tarapa, finished second in only a field of uh, seven, and then it raced again on the 12th of August. So it had a wee bit of a spell and then won its next two races. So they thought, we'll take it over to Australia eh, and give it a crack up against the big ones. Well, the big ones was in the Group 2, this is when it's got its first success. No, it's Group 3 in the Ethereal Stakes at Caulfield. It came first um, in, a, in a field of 16, but its first major Group 1 success was the Vinery Stud Stakes in 2019 at Rosehill, ridden by the one and only 
J-Mac. Well, you go down the page, it finished its campaign, and went to go and be a mother on 15th of October in 2022 over in, uh, in Ascot in the UK. Didn't quite eventuate what they were hoping for as an ownership group, but took us on a hell of a journey and a hell of a ride. So uh, all my thoughts and prayers go to everyone out there. I know it's sad news for a lot of the ownership, in particular Chris Waller, who had a, a relationship, trained her, um, got her to the to the heights that Very Elegant was able to achieve, and even J-Mac flicked him a message last night, and all I got back was a, a heart broken in, in two. So a lot of people out there hurting at, at the moment. But uh, thank you, Very Elegant, for taking us on this on this journey, on this ride, and bringing us so much joy. But I uh, thought I'd just touch on that quickly there, Rick. Yeah, I thought we'd gone into the Love Racing update early. Uh, <laughs> but that's all good, mate. No, I didn't see that news yesterday. So she she mm. passed away uh, while foaling, right? And then the fold died yeah. as well. Yeah, complications, um, giving birth is, is all the, new, um, the, the, the news coming out of that. So very, very sad. Uh, you know, this is probably the the most highly anticipated foal going for a very long time, other than Winks. Um, it was a big decision to go over to the UK and race over there as an ownership group. They wanted to see what would eventuate, and there was a bit of uh, concern from Chris Waller and co. And, and then straight after, they retired her and went and uh, took her to foal and... Yeah, this this is a this has happened and it's it's sad, but that is the racing game. And I know uh, there'll be a lot of reflection. I've been watching plenty of racing clips. I even watched the Lexus uh, 2021 Melbourne Cup replay last night, and it was a hell of a ride. And the worst thing about that was I booked, I backed her the year before. She came seventh, um, didn't really get in the race. Well, that race was ridden perfectly, came out and uh, beat, is incentivised. By plenty, paying eighteen bucks, and I know a couple of my mates had plenty on her at eighteen bucks. So, yeah, uh, just just one of those things, Rick. Well, I just I, all I pick up from that is you've got historical stopping power. That goes back a long way. <laughs> it does, mate. Yeah, yeah. I had a big go on her at the the previous Melbourne Cup, and then this time, I think I took something else and it won. I couldn't believe I went away from very elegant. Um, but hey, Billy Elegant got me paid a couple of times, so I'm not complaining. And put a smile on my face, and it was an awesome time to be able to reflect yesterday. Nice, mate. Nice. All right. Well, let's crack in to this. Round one. Five. The triple threat. Our th- three big questions of the day, starting with this one. Uh, news has come out that Manny Pacquiao had mm. uh, said that he was going to fight at the Paris Olympics. He was willing to go through qualifying and everything. But the Olympics have said, no, uh, we've got an age limit. You can't go, you can't compete if you're older than 40. And mm. as someone that is older than 40 and has never got close to an Olympics, um, it got me thinking, it's like, shouldn't it just be if you're good enough? No matter yeah. how old you are? That's the first thing that came to my mind, Rick. Like, you've still got to qualify, you've still got to get to the Paris Olympics. And if you're able to do so, but age should be no barrier. Um, you know, Manny Pacquiao, no doubt, would still be able to to compete and compete at the highest level, but he's still got to go through the the criteria of even getting there and beating some pretty credible opponents. So for me, it's a simple answer: is is no. If you are good enough and you're able to go and represent your country, a country that probably doesn't have many athletes anyway, and being able to go fly the flag for the Philippines, then I, I say you should so. 
Um, yeah, so this is an interesting... What is their reasoning behind the age gap? Is it safety? Is it credibility? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I don't think it can be credibility, right? Because mm. as we've just said, if you... Is there can, anything credible in the Olympics? <laughs> well, there is that. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it's like if you can actually qualify... Mm. Then, yeah. then it's uh, you know then the credibility should be fine. Um, it is interesting though because uh, there's a couple of stories doing the rounds at the moment about boxing in the Olympics, uh, but the uh, boxing federation that used to run it for the Olympics has been accused. The IBA has been accused of being corrupt, and so. Mm. Uh, the Olympics have stripped them of of the rights to run the Olympic boxing, and the Olympics themselves are now running boxing. So that yeah. that I wonder if that makes a difference. You've got a non boxing organisation running a boxing event. Yeah, well, you've seen that plenty in sport when you've got someone that's got absolutely no idea about governance of that chosen sport coming in and just creating an absolutely uh, bloodbath. So um, that that's probably a fair point. Um, that situation, but also the IBA. I was reading that article that you talked about. Um, a couple of our boxers, five boxers over in uh, where was it? Belarus, mm. I think it was. Uh, and yeah, Bosnia. And we, yeah, Bosnia. And we got we won our events, and then we've come out and, and having to fight a bit of a backlash. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, look, this is a situation where if you are good enough. And you're able to go over and compete, and even pretend like how good of a story for the Olympics. If you had a 45 year old that has had to withdraw, withdraw, um, endure, sorry, what he has it been able to for the last what 20 odd years that he's given us so much joy, go over and defy the odds, a Rocky Balboa kind of situation, a movie that could be made out of it. It's a feel good story for the mm. Olympics. I, I think that they're looking for positive press. And this is positive. If someone's willing to go out there and, and train hard and, and try and get his body into great neck, then, then age should be no barrier. So for me, it's simple. There should not be an Olympic uh, age limit. If you are able and you are able to qualify and even go over and compete, then go hard. Okay. Then go do it. Round two. Now, I know you were busy yesterday, um, but uh, the NBA All-Star game was on. And uh, you... I don't know if you caught this. You caught the final score, but it was uh, Eastern Conference won two hundred and eleven to one hundred and eighty-five. Mm. Um, they they were trying to make it more competitive. Even Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, was like very flat about it. He was unimpressed, um, and that got me thinking about how is this the most overhyped sporting event in the world, <laughs> or or is it a genuine celebration of the game? Here, Andrew Gaze works for us yeah. over in Aussie. And former Aussie basketball great. This is what he had to say. I've never been more frustrated uh, in my sport uh, watching the NBA All Star Game. Well, it it's was, a po- is it a pox? Is it a pox? No, it's, it's the greatest pox I think we've had all month, and uh, in a long time. And, and people will look at this and they'll see two, the East winning the contest, two hundred and eleven to one hundred and eighty-six. So two hundred and eleven points. Two hundred and eleven points to one hundred and eighty-six. It was putrid. <laughs> and sure, you saw some flashy guys running to the basket and dunking it, but you, you watch the dunk contest then. It is an indictment on the, the, the game, and it's an indictment on the concept. The concept, it may have been something that was worthwhile in a, another time, mm. but right now, 
It is hard to watch. That's what Gaze had to say. Where are you on it, mate? It's hard to watch and it's hard to have a punt on too, mate. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. because I had a go yesterday at uh, LeBron James and Giannis Sotokumbo to get 30-plus each. And, well, they, well, Giannis had a, had a reasonable day out, but LeBron was on a holiday. He got eight points. So that was never going to... Uh, I can understand both sides of it, for sure. Being an, a competitor himself, Andrew Gaze, he loves the game. He's passionate. He's a purist. Um, it is a bit of a joke. It is a bit of laughing stock. But I guess as a young fan, when you've got an opportunity to see your the best players in the NBA potentially playing together, um, I think you've got to look at it from that point of view as well. This is a a celebration of the game. But also the risk is these players playing... For on billion dollar contracts or million dollar contracts potentially going and chasing a ring don't want to go out there and put themselves at at risk for a, for a mock game well it's, um, it's the interesting thing I mean you talk about that about the you know the contest but there is no contest that's the problem right they're only playing yeah. offense no one's playing defense oh no one's playing defense it's the same as, as flag football in the NFL like when they do the NFL all-stars there's, there's never going to be a, a full contest game because this has nothing on it there is no there is no rewards. There is no outcome. There is no guaranteed bonus. Like a lot of these players will be getting paid from the NBA to go along to this week. And they'll be getting paid plenty. But the reality is it isn't enough to go out there and risk it all and potentially risk a career-ending injury uh, for the thing. So you either stamp it out and get rid of it and f- come up with a new way to try and uh, innovate and, and create a, a bit of hype or entertainment around the, the league or you just continue down this this fold, or you allow younger, hungry players to go out there and play a full-game-fledged um, game of basketball. But the reality is they want to see their best players playing. Mm. You want to see LeBron James and Kevin Durant running at it each other or in the same team getting a couple of assists, a couple of lobs, you know. Um, but, yeah, I guess as a purist you probably hate it. And I can understandably understand why. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Anthony Davis said that the be- the most memorable moment was when the Chicago Bulls and Indiana Pacers hype teams went through their dunk routines between the third and fourth quarters. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the players that said that. I, I wonder, I mean, because Adam Silver's talked about that. Remember they had the almost the schoolyard picking comp for a little while where they had two athletes who would then pick and so it went away from East versus West and they, yep. they scrapped that because they thought, no, nah, it's too gimmicky, let's bring it back to East mm. versus West. There needs to be something on it. And in, in, in the NBA, whoever has got the best regular season record at the end of the regular season has home advantage when it comes to the NBA playoffs, right? Mm. Mm. But in the Major League Baseball, when they have their All-Star weekend – the winner of the All-Star Weekend, when, uh, that means that their division gets the home advantage. Mm. right? So you're actually playing for something that means yeah. something. I wonder if the NBA yeah. need to look at that, if they really want this to mean something. Yeah, it's got to have certain meaning. It's got to have something at the end of it to motivate these players because really they're going away. They're, they're ticking boxes. They're doing their promotional work for the NBA um, because they have to. And Adam Silver said so. And, yeah, so there has to be something online, but I can't see anything more that the NBA can do because the reality is this is about the NBA and the teams that are vying to go and play a playoffs and win the World Series, World Championship. But, you know, this is a little bit of a, a, a bleak in the road, as they may say. 
<laughs> Indeed. All right, so we've agreed on that. Let's crack into Round this one. Three. David Warner isn't expecting a warm reception on his farewell tour to New Zealand <laughs> with the Australian team. Last time he was here, he said the crowd behaviour was vulgar and derogatory which says a lot when it's coming from an Australian uh, and the way that their crowds play up. Uh, here's what he had to say yesterday. You know, for me, it's about coming out and trying to put my best foot forward and score runs. Um, the crowd, yeah, they got personal, but if they have to get personal, that's their character. It's not, it's, I, I just go about my business, but that's upon each individual. If that's what they feel like they have to do, then so be it. You know, if you want to pay your money to come and abuse people, then, you know, you have to go back and lay in your own bed. We get to play the game of cricket that we love, enjoy, and try and put bums on seats to keep the game going. Apparently, he doesn't care according to according to what he said. What he Speaking said versus how he said it. God, I mean, hello. <laughs> Speaking of making your own bed and sleeping, you've you've made yours over the last well ten years, mate. You mm. got to sleep in your own. Um, look, and he's trying to say that he doesn't hear it. Well, he's heard everything. So it's going in that ear and it's sticking in between those top two inches and it's slowly filtering out, seeping out. But, um, mate, it's, it's part and parcel of sport. And it's a, it's a sign of respect, I feel, Ricardo. I think it's a sign of respect that we, we, uh, we respect you. We understand the greatness that's coming here. And, and as a crowd and as a fan base, we're going to try and do everything possible to upset you and get you off your game. And the greatest of all, the greatest sports people in the world can block it out. Essentially, can get through it. You know, it's all part and parcel of it. So the the next question is: is are we going to see it? Are we going to see more of this coming out? And what's David Warner going to say after match one in Wellington when there's a sold out crowd? The only problem with that stadium is unless you're on the boundary, you ain't going to hear plenty. Mm. David Warner on the boundary, too small, too slow. He ain't going to be on the boundary. He'll be close to the pitch and he won't be able to hear anything. Oh, it's going to be fireworks, Rick Dog. I'm, I'm absolutely pumped for this test series. Ah, this T20 series against the Australians. You know, this is a, a line in the sand moment for us. As a nation, uh, yes, we're going to be without Kane Williamson. That's plenty runs there. But I think we can still compete, and um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Where have I copped the most stick from crowds? Well, it's no surprises here. South Africa. I remember. I remember this clearly, and I'll never forget this. Driving to Pretoria, down to uh, Luftus Wiesfeld in um, Pretoria, the great Bulls. Stadium and probably the most hostile arena in South Africa. Driving through, well, they have a, a kind of like, um, uh, you know, those boot parties at, mm. at, the, at the games at the front. I was driving through there on the bus, and there's about there's thousands of people there staring at us in the bus, and they're just slitting their necks, slitting their necks, and they're starting to react. Certain things with sheep, um, <laughs> and and things like that, and. It was crazy. I was like, oh, yeah, I can't hear anything. Anyway, we're at the stadium, mm. and they're just, like, abusing me. They're bringing your mum. They're bringing your father into it. They're bringing sheep. They're bringing inbredness into the into conversation. They are just spitting tacks at you. And I was thinking, this is my first year in Super Rugby in 2009, <laughs> and I'm like, holy heck, man, I'm just a small, young Māori boy from New Zealand. What are you up to? I don't even know you. So it was quite daunting, but mm. after a while you kind of, you thrive on it, you live on it, and uh, you realise that they're just trying to rattle you, and they did that for a certain moment, but I got through it, and mate, keep it on, and particularly when you win it, 
You just give them the old Andrew Merton's great one. Yeah, the Andrew right up into the crowd. <laughs> Mate, a good friend of mine had that uh, that picture of Mertz um, w- giving the one fingered salute to the South African crowd printed on a t shirt that he wore proudly mm. around for a long time. So yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Know what you mean. What do you reckon? The, the first banner that David Warner sees at Sky Stadium in Wellington will it be to do with sandpaper, or will it be to be do with him being out SBW? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I knew you were gonna be, I think it'll be the latter. <laughs> that, that, that that'll hurt the most, wouldn't it? Oh, see so, if so. it doesn't rattle him, mate. Nah, it's the other bothered. one that'll hurt more. Not bothered, not bothered. There you go. Keen to hear from you. Double eight, double three is the temper bed post text machine. The most overhyped sporting event. Is it the NBA All-Star <laughs> Game? If it's not that, what do you reckon it might be? Should the Olympics have an age limit? And David Warner, where are you on him? He is uh, going to probably cop plenty, <laughs> I think, in the like next David? week. Me, no. No, I've never liked him, to be honest, mate. Never. Never been a fan. Uh, yeah. But there you go. You know you know what it was with him and it, with me was the Phil Hughes incident, right? You know, now Phil Hughes, that was tragic what happened to Phil Hughes. Yeah. He died playing sport, and you never want to see that happen. David Warner was mates with him, apparently, and he sold his story to, I think, 60 Minutes or one of those. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, like, he did a, a whole hour of it. It should have been sponsored by Kleenex the way he carried on. Mm. Uh, and he was all about le- learning lessons and how sport's not that important, and, you know, this and that and the other, and blah, 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 blah. It's changed me. They played the Ashes series immediately after that, and yeah. he was at the forefront of all the stuff and all the stuff that he said he wouldn't do anymore. He was right in amongst it. So mm. I was just like, mm. mate, you've just done a cash grab there. Yeah, totally. He's benefited off someone else's um, well situation and Phil Hughes. Yeah, no, I've seen that, mate. Him and his wife, Candice. Uh, they cop plenty, and I'm sure they're going to cop more over here.